Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs hoodie, the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to About Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Chris Gianta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am doing well. Uh, this could possibly be the last um, Zoom show of the season because we are moving back into Springfield College soon for our uh, senior year. We were freshmen when this show started, uh, and now we're about to be seniors, which is weird. Yeah, it is weird. Well, it just... What I always say is, is it it doesn't feel like I'm a senior because sophomore year just never really happened. It didn't count. It's like the, you know, it's it's the 2020 baseball season. You know, yeah. Trent Trent Grisham wasn't really was one of the best <laughs> players in baseball. Yeah, uh, you know, athletes get their got their like their COVID year taken like where you know they could they could get a fifth year. Uh, I think uh, Springfield or just college students should also do that in general, except they don't have to make two more tu- tuition payments. Yeah, yeah. And also um, no more English class requirements. Yeah, like gen ed classes. Yeah, just take whatever you want. Yeah, and even fun, if you don't want to go to the class, class it doesn't matter. Just like hang out with your friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just live there and yeah. vibe. For free. For free, yes, because you got a year taken away. Doesn't matter that there's you know not enough housing and there's a new batch of freshmen coming in. Yeah. Like, yeah who cares? We they can wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, might be the might be the last Zoom episode for a while. Um, which is good. Always love to be in person, even if it yeah. means uh the YouTube action isn't isn't quite there. Mm-hmm. However, is a nice dynamic to have in person um but anyway uh you know there's some there's some trends in the game of baseball going on right now what do you what do you want to get into first well i mean there was some breaking news last night pretty big news for uh just the general landscape of baseball uh this came from june lee of espn who's been heavily uh covering this topic for years now as well as evan drellick of the athletic and then jeff passan a friend of the program this morning. Uh, The MLBPA sent out uh, union authorization cards to minor league baseball players uh, in essentially the first step to having minor league baseball be a part of the Major League Baseball Players Association. Uh, This is a huge story for many reasons. You know, it's been pretty well documented for a couple of years now, the way that minor leaguers are treated. Uh, They're not paid well. They don't get food and housing until this year. And, you know, when you think MLBPA, you probably think of the lockout when, you know, they were the good guys fighting the bad guys uh, in the owners. And if there was ever a reason to criticize the MLBPA, you know, there was a lot of people saying like, you know, they're not a perfect organization. And a lot of it is because they don't include minor leaguers when they could. And they're finally taking that step. Yeah, which is a which is a bit big thing. Yeah, as you said, it's very well documented how minor leaguers have been mistreated for a very long time. Um, it's been kind of normalized in the game of baseball, unfortunately. Um, and it seems like there's going to be a change. And I mean, 
ultimately, ultimately it will help everybody. I mean, you know, it it's just a little more money out of the owner's pockets if they do in fact unionize and try to get more money. But uh, what's what's the whole process with uh with them potentially trying to get a union? So it, what it looks like from this passing story is that. Uh, well, so there's about 5,000 minor leaguers. So if you divide that up by organization, that would be, hang on a second, 5,000 divided by 30. It's about 100 and let's say 100 to 200 minor leaguers per uh, per organization. And, wow. um, you know, it's pretty well documented that they've been paid $1,400 a month, you know, maybe 15,000 a year at most. It's just not livable. They don't make living wages. And the reason that this is a thing is because Major League Baseball has an antitrust exemption that was passed through Congress just over a century ago. I think it was like just hit 100 years, like in the last couple of months. Uh, and essentially, it allows Major League Baseball to pay minor leaguers below minimum wage. And uh, obviously, that's been really hurting minor leaguers for a long time. And the process of getting them to unionize and be a part of Major League Baseball's Player Association uh, starts with these uh, authorization cards that they're sending out, which it sounds to me like it's like a survey almost that they fill out to, to be a part of it. And if a certain number of minor leaguers uh, agree to be a part of it, they are now a part of the union. And in that scenario, I don't see any scenario where they don't uh vote to be a part of the union you know it doesn't really make much sense to me why they would choose to continue living the way that they are but it really it sounds it, it also sounds like there's nothing that really stops them from doing this like the owners can't veto this uh there's no like uh union that can like not allow this it really just sounds like the, if minor leaguers want it want it they can have it right yeah like kind of up to them a little bit so mm -hmm. i mean uh yeah it, as you said it's kind of a no-brainer from the minor leaguers perspective and um they'll so i mean yeah they they could very well could very well get this union and i mean the implications of that is you know not just not just you know a living wage for these minor leaguers but if they're able to uh live a better life and you know, maybe not have like a, a winter job and be able to focus on baseball activities or being able to buy the right food for themselves and maybe get the, you know, get the right resources to make them a better baseball player. It's going to make better baseball players. So it's kind of an, everybody wins uh, if uh, minor leaguers get paid more. Yeah. I mean, if you're a baseball fan, you should be rooting for this. Like, I, There's no, unless you're an, unless you're a major league baseball owner, which if you're listening to this, I'm going to, very greatly assume that you're not you should be excited for this you should want minor leaguers to live a better life you should want them to you should want better players coming through your system that's just a general thing right like it's better quality of baseball it's better players it's people that are treated like humans uh and it just it doesn't make any sense yeah. that you should ever be rooting against this. So I'm reading this passing article right now. It says, uh, in order for MLBPA to represent minor leaguers in collective bargaining, 30% of players would need to sign union authorization cards, which would prompt an election. If the majority of those who vote in an election choose for union representation, the National Labor Relations Board will require MLB to recognize the union. And what I do wonder is, so this is obviously for collective bargaining. So if this becomes a thing, does it not become like, are they not allowed to 
discuss minor league wages until 2026, which is the next collective bargaining agreement. Um, like, like when this next CBA is up. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's a good question because I mean, they do the whole thing with the collective bargaining agreement is it's the agreement for the next five years. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it is a, it's also a deal between MLBPA and the MLB. And if minor leaguers are a part of MLBPA, then they're probably a part of this bargaining agreement. So yeah, that could kind of suck for them because like, I know the owners aren't going to want to have, have, have anything to do with that until the next CBA is up which is right. what, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26. It'll be in 20, it'll be after the 2026 season. And a lot is going to happen by then. You know, there are probably minor leaguers that are going to vote to be a part of this union that won't be a part of baseball in 2027. So I do wonder, that is, I guess, my one question with this. Uh, and I Maybe it's answered in the article, but would they be able to, would they have to wait until the next CBA negotiation to uh, be a part of this? Yeah, I mean- yeah, literally thousands of of uh, minor leaguers would be out of baseball by the time. It would probably get- all of them. They'll probably be, I mean, most of them will either be in the majors or just out of baseball. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, yeah, uh, I mean, we'll see about that. It is a very, yeah, it's a it's a developing story. It broke last night. Um, we'll probably, it'll probably... Uh, further in its advancement over uh over a little bit of time probably you know if the survey's happening right now it'll probably there'll be more news on it in the coming weeks probably so you know um it's it would it's yeah it would be great news for minor leaguers if they could uh if they could get that through and get that through uh as soon as possible yeah i mean this is it's good it's just good for baseball it's good for humanity and this is something that everyone should be rooting for, for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, it's not literally the only the only people paying for this are uh, the owners. It's not like it's not like there's minor league franchises that are paying for this. It's it's from it's straight from the MLB owners. Um, mm-hmm. And I figure like so if you have one hundred fifty minor leaguers in your system and you pay them on average like fifty thousand a year, which is, you know, I mean, it's, you're not killing it, but it's a livable wage. Uh, that's, I think, seven, and, and you pay all of them on average 50000 a year. That's on average like seven and a half million. Aaron Loop's getting paid that much yeah. this year. Like, you know, it's, it's every, every, uh, every MLB owner can afford that for sure. Yes, every MLB. If you, if you can't afford that as an owner, you should not own a team, period. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very much so. Um, so yeah, um, so yeah, uh, that's the minor league news. Um, the Padres have made, been making a little bit of headlines. Um, they're uh, yeah, they've been in they've they've always been an interesting team. They're they're kind of sliding a little bit, but not to the extreme that they were last year. Um, they've lost uh nine out of or or they've gone nine and 13 in the last 22 um haven't been going great since the soto and hater trades um what have you been taking mm-hmm. away from the padres i'm just pulling up the exact date because so on august 3rd they played that first game at petco 
you know, with Soto and Bell, they had that huge crowd. They won nine, nine to one against the Rockies. Yeah. And since then they're nine and 13. Uh, they have a four nine winning percentage a four fifty three Pythagorean win loss. Um, and it's interesting because, so I looked at, you know, their, their like major league rankings since then. And like their offense is like mid tier, their pitching is mid tier, the bullpen outside of haters actually been pretty good. So I was like, I couldn't really figure out what exactly the problem was, but uh, in the month of August, the Padres have the second worst outs above average in baseball. They have minus seven, uh, and their defense has just been problematic, uh, particularly their infield defense. Uh, in fact, Padre, uh, 68% of ground balls uh, hit to Padres players have been converted into outs since August 4th. That is the fourth lowest rate among major league teams, and you know, they're just not making the outs that they should. And it's that's what it's causing, essentially. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. That's very interesting because I wouldn't expect that Padres infield to no. have, have such a bad month. I mean, you know, I believe the average rate of converting ground balls into outs is about um, 76% or something like that. Um, but it's, I, it's, or at least since August 4th, it's been 73.37%. Okay, yeah. And so, yeah, like the, the Padres are off that mark for sure. And yeah. it's, it's surprising because when I think of Jay Cronenworth, Hassan Kim, Manny Machado in there, I mean, I think of great defense, but I guess that's not been the case uh, since the trade deadline. It has been the case for Hassan Kim. I'm pretty sure. Uh, maybe there's an eye test thing, but I've seen a lot of defensive highlights with him. But Manny Machado, actually, uh, I believe has a negative two outs above average in the month of August. Um, Josh Bell has negative three. Obviously, he is, I mean, he's basically just played for the, the Padres at this point because, you know, he's listed as being part of two teams. Yeah. Um, he probably played one game for the Nationals on August 1st, but yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think their defense has been the biggest problem, and that's why they've fighting this way um yeah it's it's uh definitely interesting because i feel like yeah i feel like the padres defense is usually like over the past couple of years how i've gotten to know them is like pretty good defense and right now not the case yeah. not the case at all um uh an obvious uh, an obvious struggler among the Padres is Josh Hader. I highlighted him on slightly alarming. Um, and then yesterday he allowed six earned runs in a third of an inning. Um, so didn't, didn't, uh, redirect at all, uh, just yet. Um, so in his last 13 games, he has an ERA over 22, um, in nine innings. Yeah. Is- he, as a Padre, he has a, as a Padre, he has seven games pitched, 4.2 innings pitched. Uh, that really tells you all I need to know, but he has a 23.14 ERA. Yeah. And... Uh, he does, however, st- I love how he still has 15.4 strikeouts per nine. Yeah. He, like, he's still he's still getting that in. He's not stopping there, yeah. But Josh Hader, it is the third 13-game span in MLB history with a 22-plus wow. ERA, nine-plus walks, and five-plus home runs allowed. Um, there's only been only been two others. Two? Um, a couple of randos. I think David Hernandez okay. from like the 2019 Reds and one guy from two, one guy from 2002. It made sense. 
I would have I would have bet a lot of money that it was one guy from 2019 at least. Oh yeah, it's it's a home that's a that was the home run era. Yeah. Those yeah, uh things have just not been working out for San Diego for sure. We call that the uh the super live ball era. <laughs> live ball and the <laughs> lit ball era. The lit ball era. Yeah. They uh yeah. So yeah. Padres, I mean, they're still in a decent playoff position. I don't think I, I mean, don't think this is this I feel like this is right around where they were at this time last year because they really crashed and burned in September. I I feel like they might have been worse. I should look at what they were doing. I, I know the game uh let me let me go to August, I guess 29th of last year. I know that it's been a different number of games played. Um but just yeah. you know for science. So yes. on August 29th of 2021, the Padres were 70 and 62. I think that's like right around where they are now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they are currently, what are they? Like 70, 70 and 59, 59, aren't they? Yeah. And so they played. They're only uh, a game and a half up on the Brewers. Yep. Um. So, you know, I mean. Let me just, for playoff purposes, they were. Uh, Okay, they were out of the playoffs, but only by one game to the Reds. You know, this this time last year we were talking about Padres Reds, and from there on, they that was when they really crashed and burned. From that point forward, uh, they went nine and twenty-one. That they really they really did crash and burn, and um, I mean it it is a little different this year because there's an extra playoff team. However, what I will say, this is. This is a classic Giants. Would, would they have made the would they have made the uh the third wild card spot last year? No, I think it would have been the Reds. Yeah. They, I think the Reds finished with 82 wins. But classic uh Gianta trope here. I'm looking at the strength of schedule because I love to. I think it's a fun thing this time of year to look at. Uh guess who has the second hardest the strength of schedule remaining? It's the Padres. Uh, and they have to face the Dodgers mm-hmm. nine more times. So. Oh, wow. So. All right. We'll see. And that's what happened last year, too. Like, they had to face the Giants a ton of times. Yes. Uh, late last year. If the Brewers can go on a run, they got to they, – they have a path to the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, the Brewers, like – Brewers are naturally going to have an easier schedule because they're in the NL Central. Um right. But they have, it looks like the ninth easiest, you know, no, nothing like extreme, but ninth easiest is much better than second hardest, uh, like the Padres have. I mean, doesn't seem like, yeah, I mean, the the hardest opponents on the website that they're showing me is Brewers have three against the Mets, three against the Yankees, four against the Cardinals. And then on the easy side, they've got, you know, seven against the Reds, seven against the Diamondbacks. Um so I mean, yeah, I mean, the Brewers, we we know they have great talent. They have that great pitching staff. That pitching staff is pretty much fully healthy now, and they have a much easier schedule than the Padres. So, um, and the Padres are on a are on a downslope right now. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I think I think that could very well be a battle. Yeah, um, the Padres. I mean, if Bob Melvin can't fix this team. 
we have to start questioning how legit they will ever be for being completely honest with ourselves. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the Padres deal is like. It's a different thing every time. Last year it was starting pitching. Now in this month, it's their defense, which mm-hmm. is uh, not something we expected to be talking about. And yeah, I mean, they're, they're 70 and 59. I know in the wild card among the wild card teams, particularly the Phillies and Braves are ahead of the Padres. So, I mean, the, what what the Padres have to worry about is the Brewers as they are a game and a half back. I mean, if you want to be that guy, you could say zero back in the loss column. Um, so that's also a thing. And the strength of schedule is much different between the two. So, I mean, that'll be a fun, that'll be a fun thing to watch because I mean, if the Padres don't turn it around now, they could, they could definitely lose a playoff spot. I'm very curious what their record is since the Tati suspension. Like yeah, since when that was that announced? Like, it was uh, August twelfth. There's seven and eight. It hasn't really made much of a difference. Yeah, but I mean, like, it it is definitely demoralizing, and just from a t- also a, just a general team perspective, like, uh, he was probably going to come back mid August, like a week mm-hmm. later than, like, he, he it was announced. He should August. be back by now. Yeah, he'd be back by now. And he'd be in that lineup. Uh, he'd be playing shortstop for them. He'd be stealing bases. And now he's not. And they expected that to be the case. And, uh, I mean, that's going to hurt the team for sure. It's going to, yeah. Um, I mean, you have to wonder, you know, what that feeling was in the clubhouse. Because, you know, you spend the whole year saying, hey, we're going to get Tatis back. Like, we're only going to go up from there. You don't. But you do get Juan Soto and Josh Bell, which is probably better like production wise it hasn't yeah. quite been that with bell being a ground ball hitter again since rejoining the padres but i mean you're looking at a guy with just as much talent as tatis that you're inserting into your lineup in the same way that you thought you were going to do so with tatis because i can't imagine you know at any point they were like hey you know like we keep going eventually we're going to trade for juan soto and we're going to be we're going to be real like i yeah. don't think those conversations were ever had like in serious tone yeah exactly um exactly yeah very intriguing um i should see what their pace is like for wins 70 divided by 129 times 162 they're on pace for 88 wins Mm -hmm. which is i don't know i mean you could say that's another disappointing season if they do end up with that and given that they still have to face the dodgers nine times yeah um so that'll be interesting you got to watch those games closely i mean you from a padres perspective you hope to uh have the dodgers stepping off the gas a little bit because i mean they'll have the pro you know late late in the season they'll probably have that one seed secured um and not maybe giving guys a little more days off and some rest so yeah, that's the Padres. Real um, quick, I don't know if you saw this story, but uh, there was a 1952 Mickey Mantle card that was sold for 12.6 million. Uh, the story says that it was just found in an attic. 
which is just such a wild thing. Imagine just going up to your attic and being like, oh, I can retire now. Yeah, that would be. And my my grandkids can go to college. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I don't know how exactly it happened, but I want to believe some guy just went up to his attic completely randomly and just happened to find a 1952 Mickey Mantle card that was supposedly in like the best condition that they've ever found one of those cards. Yeah, that's the secret to maintaining your baseball cards is stick it in a weird attic. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now I want to go to my attic. I've never, I've like we have one in my house. I've never been up there in twenty two years. I want to try to find a Hannes Wagner T two hundred six up there. Cause... Were you a big? Were you ever a big baseball card collector? I mean, like I have like a whole bin full of them, but I was never like a collector. Like I just, you know, every now and then I'd be like, oh, I'll buy a pack. Why not? Um. I'm always asked about that, and I'm, you know, I self-identify as a huge baseball fan. I never really got into it. Like, I have one, I have one bin full of it. That's my claim. Yeah. Which, um, last Christmas, I had a Christmas present that involved baseball cards, and that was, like, the one time in the last however long that I've gone through the cards that I've had. Probably, yeah. like, at least five, six years. Yeah, they don't have Weighted Runs Created Plus on the back of these baseball cards. They gotta go. If we're if we're talking about that, maybe I'll get into them. And a team who is trending in the right direction, although I mean I I will take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. But a team that's trending in the right direction, who I kind of wanted to talk about just because we haven't talked about them a lot, and they the team doesn't have. I think the team's identity is they don't have much of an identity, but they're they're winning ball games and they're in a playoff spot. Talking about the Tampa Bay Rays, they've won a uh, twelve out of sixteen. And, uh, yeah, they've won 12 out of 16. Uh, That is tied for the best record in baseball since uh, August 13th. Um, And uh, along with that, their ERA and FIP uh, rank second as a team. Their team-weighted runs created plus ranks fifth in the span. Um, What have you been thinking about the Rays? This is a team that I... I think many people thought would eventually go on. They're seven, seven and a half games. You know, doesn't sound good, but considering where it was before, it doesn't. I don't know. Kind of been. He's never really been his twenty. 20 self ever since he he won rookie of the year last year but he never really did anything spectacular it didn't even really feel like he went on any particular runs throughout like any month where he was awesome uh, just felt like he was pretty good the whole year um but right now since august 13th he's slashing 321 449 607 for a 208 weighted runs graded plus and players that qualify that so that's that's huge uh for him no doubt uh, for them, at least. Uh, they've also had Yandy Diaz, who strikes out 6% of the time. Uh, he's got a 167 weighted runs created plus. Um, what else? What do you have on the raise? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, those offensive contributors are, are there for sure. And um, yeah, I you may have gotten cut off a little bit, but to establish, you were talking about Randy Rosarena first and then Yandy Diaz. Um and yeah, I mean, the Rays, the Rays have been interesting. I mean, I, I, 
we've I think we both had them as a second place team upcoming this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they are a second place team right now. Uh, they're atop the wild card, um, a atop among the wild card teams, but they're still you know Orioles are still th- three back of them. So I mean, if they go on a losing streak, you know they could potentially fall out of this race so it doesn't feel like they have a safe spot in the playoffs necessarily uh they've been injured the whole year uh want you know wander franco uh has been out for a large part of the year so is brandon lau um brandon lau when he has been healthy is water done for the year um i know when his injury happened he was out he was supposed to be out six to eight weeks and i think the eight week mark is like early september but I haven't heard any okay. news on him uh, coming back anytime soon. But interesting. Um, but yeah, like, so what I will say, the stats I can find on them just overall as a team this year. So the Rays only have three position players that have played 95, 95 plus games for them this year. Only three. I mean, the Rays have played Rosarena Diaz and uh Paredes. Um I don't know. I for uh I forget. I think Taylor Walls, maybe. Um, oh, that's that's not great. A uh, Rosarena Diaz and Walls, yeah. Um Walls has a sixty five weighted run or OPS plus. So yeah. that's not great. But he does provide I think he provides decent defense. So the yes. Rays only have three position players that have played 95 plus games for them this year. Only the Reds have less position players with 95 plus games played. Um, Mm. So like, it's not really a sign of them being bad. It's just more of a sign of them being injured because I mean, obviously they would want Wander Franco to play every day, Brandon Lau to play every day, but um, they've just, they just haven't been there. And also what I will say is only one of the players in their top six in B War from 2021 is in their top six in 2022. That's Randy Rosarena. Everyone else uh in their top six in B War this year is new. So this this rotation is so much more solid than it was last year, too. You know, I think the big problem with how the Rays were last year is that the rotation was just very beatable. The Red Sox obviously took down McClanahan, they took down Rasmussen and McClanahan's come back as a Cy Young contender this year. Rasmussen, uh, he had that almost perfect game a couple weeks ago. Uh, over the last uh, couple weeks, he ha- over his last three games, he's 3-0 and with a 1.63 FIP and a 1.86 ERA. How about 11.7 strikeouts per nine, 0.9 walks per nine, 0.4 home runs per nine? Yeah. Let me check. Yeah. Let me check where that, uh, that strikeout-to-walk ratio ranks because I'm willing to bet it's – among the top in baseball. Let me just real quick check if he also like had any other good outings before then, because Drew Rasmussen has come up as one of the best pitchers in the league over the last couple of weeks. And if he can ride that into the postseason, like you're looking at a, a one, two punch of McClanahan Rasmussen that you're not going to want to face. And yeah, it looks like he did have another good outing uh, for then actually. So let me go since August 7th, because he had a solid outing August 6th against the Tigers. By the way, also the Austin Meadows trade has looked amazing for them. Like True. that was that looks like one of the biggest steals of the of the offseason and happened very last minute. Uh, so Drew Rasmussen has uh, 13.0 strikeouts per nine, 
Uh, since August 7th, he's only behind DeGrom, Musgrove, and uh, Rodon. He also has a 30.4% K rate minus walk rate. That ranks behind only DeGrom and Rodon. So that's the highest in the American League. Yeah. Uh, he's been the nice. best. He has the best strikeout rate minus walk rate in the American League. So that shows that he's doing it in volume and not just in, you know, normal ratio. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And at the same time, he has a bad up against of 160, which is that going to sustain itself? No, but when you're looking at the playoffs, right, it's all small sample sizes. Like he's, you know, it's he's capable of going on this run where he's just allowing no hits while also being a terrific fit pitcher. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, there's uh there's definitely um, it, it's de- it's definitely a strange team. What what the mm-hmm. Rays are? I mean. Um, like Jeffrey Springs just out of nowhere is uh, a quality starter for them. He has a two seven six ERA this year with a three one seven FIP. Um yep. Red Sox twenty twenty Red Sox legend, uh yes. Jeffrey Springs. And and yeah, like I don't know. I'm all I'm I'm not intimidated by this team, but that's almost what makes me intimidated. It's, it's like this team just might sneak up on they're going to kill you by paper cuts. That's how they've always been. Yeah. Death by a thousand paper cuts. This is, I think the Rays are going to be the top sleeper team in the playoffs, no doubt. Yeah. Unless, you know, unless they go like 20 and six through the rest of the way or whatever, they don't have 26 games left. But unless they have like a 700 winning percentage the rest of the way, they're going to be a sleeper team in the playoffs, no doubt. Yeah. it It's definitely going to be interesting. Uh, You know, they'll probably they could be either four or five or six seeds. So, I mean, they could, I mean, they could be, they could win the division. It's, it's unlikely, but it's plausible. Yeah. But in terms of what's most probable, they'll probably face either Seattle, Toronto, maybe Baltimore. Um, And I mean, they maybe, maybe uh, Minnesota or Cleveland. I don't know. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. They could face the central division winners. Yeah. That's true. But yeah, I mean, they'll probably face. Yeah, I agree. And Seattle, Toronto. I think first round, they match up well against all of them. I think I think Mariners Rays would be a really fun series to watch. Yeah, me too. Me too. I hope it's in Seattle because that crowd deserves playoff baseball so much more than Tropicana. Yeah. <laughs> um, is is it a thing where all three games are going to be at one location? Yeah. Okay. That's all. I kind of like that. I do um, too. It definitely, it, 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 there's a lot of incentive in getting home field for sure. Yes. Yes. Um. So yeah. Uh. Yeah. The Rays, the Rays are interesting. That's for sure. Um. Definitely a, a much different team than last year, but not a whole, not that much worse. Um. You know, like they were a hundred win team last year. This year they'll probably be around ninety. Um, yeah. But yeah, they'll sneak up on you. That's for sure. Um, who have they? Uh, who have they played during the stretch? Real quick. Uh, not, not anything great. I mean, they Baltimore. Faced, it's a playoff team. They faced the Royals, Angels, and Red Sox. They did win a series against the Yankees too. Um, and they probably should have swept that series. Yeah, they faced True. the Royals. That's eh. Um. They beat the Angels. The Angels have been playing better recently for what it's worth. All right. Uh, 
but they got yeah they got the marlins that should be a sweep and then they got the yankees coming in that'll be an interesting series to watch for sure yes yes definitely um so yeah anything more on the rays i mean like i said sleeper team potential uh we didn't touch much on the austin meadows trade that's worked out greatly for them though and i would like to because isa Paredes. Uh, has a 790 OPS this year. He has. Does he lead the team in home runs? Yeah, he leads the team in home runs. I don't think Austin Meadows has hit one yet. A home run? I don't think he's hit a home run. He That's is not. Wild. You know, 128 at bats, 147 plate appearances. Austin Meadows has hit zero home runs. He hit 27 last year. That's surprising. It's extremely surprising. He had 60 between 2019 and 2021. Yeah. And that's, I believe, a uh, 2020 shortened season. Uh, yeah. But, but I'm not even counting 2020. I'm saying between those two seasons, 2019 uh, and 21, he had 60. Yeah. He had four. He only, only had four in 2020 because he only played 36 games. He was probably hurt or something. Right, right. Or they'd like platooned him or whatever. But yeah, no, that has been a very tough trade for the Rays. You could probably argue that's the best thing that's come out of the the Archer trade right now. Um Yeah, maybe. It could like be. I mean no Glass now is obviously great, but the one really the one season you can really point to is twenty twenty, which was a shortened year. But Isak Paredes has been the best player on their team, arguably this year. Like from yeah. an offensive standpoint. Yeah, Austin Meadows having no home runs does shock me. Yeah. Um, all right. So do we want to get into uh players to highlight? Yeah, I do. All right, now for our Thursday or no, Monday. I keep I mix up days. Mm-hmm. When it's summertime, yeah. I just, you know, have lose track. All the days are the same. Um Monday, August. 29th 2022 edition of let me let me pump up the volume on that yeah um who do you got for us today i heard that uh i almost took this guy last show and i feel like i didn't really have a ton to go off of but a lot more has happened since and i am going with uh i'm taking a victory lap here and i'm taking nathaniel Lowe as my how about that since June 7th, that is two and a half months of baseball, he is slashing 324, 372, 556 for a 937 OPS. That is a 168 weighted runs created plus, the eighth highest among qualified hitters. That is a two and a half month span where Nathaniel Lowe has been a top 10 qualified hitter in baseball. He leads the majors in weighted runs created plus since August 13th as well, which was uh, which is a 258. That's That's what he's done since then. One out of his last 47 batted balls has had a launch angle above 38 degrees, which is not even that crazy. Uh, but one out of 47 is incredible. That that makes for the best rate among the 350 hitters with at least 10 batted balls and at least one that has uh, been of uh, of that launch angle. Because if you if you go over 47, they don't count it on that list. So take that with a bit of a grain of salt. But he's number one out of 350 on that list. Uh, from May this year until August, his uh, hold on, sorry. From May of this year until August, uh, his barrel rate has gone. Or so wait, shoot, we I need to restart that. I lost my my uh, pace. Since August thirteenth, 
His 18th percent barrel rate ranks 10th among the 203 hitters with at least 25 batted balls. And from May of this year until August, his chase miss percentage has gone from 55.3% to 33.3%. It's been it's gone down 22%. He's almost cut it in half uh, since then. And also since August 13th, his 62% hard hit rate ranks fourth among the 239 hitters with at least 25 batted balls. So Nate Lowe is making better contact. He's keeping the ball not even on the ground, but not in the air too much. He's also making better contact and more contact. Yeah. Uh, Nathaniel Lowe. How about that? So, yeah, I, you know, you, you, uh, you can't, you, you were talking to me, uh, last episode about how you, uh, you were still looking for a how about that. And I gave his suggestion. I said, Mm -hmm. I said maybe one of your players to players to watch from before the season. And you said you couldn't find anything. So, and then, you know, I saw, I saw the, I saw the ranks over the past yeah. two weeks, uh, this episode. And, uh, I took them because I thought, Oh, nice. <laughs> I thought you weren't going to take them. Uh, and, uh, so yeah, Nathaniel Lowe. Yeah. In his last 15 games, He's hitting 426 with a 1257 OPS and 258 weighted runs created plus. In this span, out of 180 qualifiers, his average ranks first, on base percentage ranks third, slugging ranks second, OPS ranks second, and weighted runs created plus ranks first. And he's also tied for first in home runs in this 15 game span with six. Uh, out of 189 hitters with 30 plus batted balls in this span, his expected batting average, expected slugging, expected WOBA all rank first out of 189 hitters with 30-plus batted balls. His barrel rate has gone from 8.3% before the span to 18% in the span. And out of 189 hitters with 30-plus batted balls in the span, his barrel rate ranks third. Uh, as you mentioned, his hard hit rate has increased uh, like crazy. His hard hit rate has gone from 41% to 62%. And out of 189 hitters, his hard hit rate ranks second in this span. And uh, his fly ball rate has gone from 20.6% to 26.0% in this span. And it has worked out for him, that increase in fly ball rate, as he is hitting 615 and slugging 1846 on fly balls in this span. Uh, out of 109 hitters with 10 plus five fly balls in the span, his average on fly balls ranks third and his slugging ranks fourth. So yeah, from both of us, Nathaniel Lowe. How about that? Um, all right. So... Uh, now we go from the highs to the lows. We're talking players or subjects that have been underperforming with our Monday, August 29th, 2022 edition of a slightly alarming. Uh, who do you have for us today? So for my slightly alarming, I'm talking about one of the players on the teams we just talked about. I'm looking at Mike Clevenger today because he's been a part of the struggling Padres over his last four starts. He has a four, nine, five ERA and 6.43 FIP. That is the second worst FIP among qualifiers. Uh, Through 20 innings pitched in this span, he has 11 strikeouts, 10 walks, and four home runs allowed. He's tied for the third worst among the 90 qualifiers uh, in the span in K-to-walk ratio with a 1.0 or 1.10 
and K rate minus walk rate at 1.1%. Uh, before August, Clev had a ground ball rate of 38.7%, and in the span, it is down to 23.3%, the second lowest ground ball rate among qualifiers. Uh, five of his six lowest ground ball rates in any outing that he's had this year have come in his last five starts. So he's just significantly giving up less ground balls, and he's also not missing bats. His strikeout rate is way down, obviously, with you know 11 strikeouts and 20 innings pitched, along with the walks and home runs being up. Uh, and those ground balls are mainly being replaced with fly balls. He has a 41.9% fly ball rate in the month of August, the highest of any month throughout his career. He's also giving up line drives at a 26% clip, despite only giving them up uh, around a 20% clip throughout the year. And in August, 68.6% of his batted balls have been fly balls or line drives. That is the highest among the 143 pitchers with at least 50 batted balls uh, against. So he's not missing bats. He's not getting the ball on the ground. And people are hitting it in the air more. And he's just been very unsuccessful in this time. So that is Mike Clevenger. Mike Clevenger. Slightly alarming. Um. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Part of the part of the reason the the Padres have not been doing too hot. Um. My slightly alarming. We're staying in the NL West, and um, this is a a classic Giante move from last year that we still haven't done this year. It's time for a freeze over. Ah. First I was time. Waiting. First time ever. Yeah. You know, for those unaware. If you get a uh, if you get a how about that and then you're a slightly alarming later in the year, that is called a freeze over. If it's the reverse way, you start as a slightly alarming and then you become a, a how about that. That is a, an ARR comeback special. Um, so, yeah, I'm talking about Mike Yastrzemski, um, who in his last 14 games, he's hitting 087 with a 295 OPS uh, out of 185. Out of 180 qualifiers, his average and slugging are the worst, and his OPS is third worst. Uh, his strikeout rate has gone from 23% before the span to 36% in the span, and his strikeout rate is sixth highest out of 180 qualifiers. Uh, also, before the span, when the count reached two strikes, he struck out 39% of the time. 39% sounds like a lot, but when you reach two strikes, the league average for that uh, is the league average strikeout rate when the count reaches two strikes this year has been 41.4%. So he was, he was at a better than average rate, but in this span uh, when the count reaches two strikes, Mike Yastrzemski is striking out 63.3% of the time. Uh, and that is the fifth highest strikeout rate on two strike counts uh, out of the 103 players to reach 32 strike counts in this span so fifth out of 103 on uh two strike counts in the last couple weeks uh also mike Yastrzemski has 27 batted balls in the span and only three have been in the sweet spot zone uh you know that's 11 percent. the league average is around 30 35 percent and out of 239 batters with 25 plus batted balls in the span his sweet spots for sweet spot percentage is second lowest along with that 33.3 percent of his batted balls in the span have had a launch angle of 50 degrees or higher which is basically a pop-up and that is the highest rate 
of batted balls with a launch angle of 50 degrees or higher out of 239 batters. So Mike Yastrzemski. Slightly alarming. As well as a freeze over. Yeah. So now we get into uh, a preview of the week ahead. Um, highlighting, I will be talking about series watch. Daniel will be talking about the day by day matchups. Um, so my series to watch, uh, there's three in mind as the playoff races continue to heat up. Uh, we got Guardians, Orioles in Cleveland. That'll be a three game set between two teams who are uh, fighting in their own respective playoff races as guardians probably have a more realistic shot in the AL central as they lead by two games and Orioles definitely have a more realistic shot in the AL wild card as they're back by, I believe a game and a half. Um, then uh, another series to watch is the, uh, is uh, I'll say Twins Red Sox, um, not because the two teams are fantastic, but the Twins are two games back in the AL Central, and it's not it's not exact it's not necessarily a rollover team, so should be interesting to watch. And the main series to watch is uh, is between the Mets and Dodgers, the two best teams, or yeah, two best records in Major League Baseball, unless the Astros mm-hmm. are better. Um, uh, Astros and Mets have the that. exact same record. So I'll say two okay. best teams in major league baseball, um, record wise between Mets and Dodgers, lots of star power there. No doubt about it. Um, I mean, Max Scherzer is not going to be pitching in it, so there's not that, but I would assume DeGrom is, um, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of action going on with Mets Dodgers and a very well, I mean, you're going to hear it a billion times, but you're going to be hearing, uh, a potential NLCS preview here. Yep, it's realistic. It's very realistic. So that's happening in uh, in Queens. So definitely watch that. Should be a, a great three game set. So now we're getting to day by day matchups. I take it. Yes. All right. So uh, on Monday, not a whole lot of games today, but you do have Jose Barrios facing the Cubs for the Blue Jays in the Rogers Center. You have Brian Bayo and Dylan Bundy facing each other in uh, Red Sox Twins. Corbin Burns will be facing the Pirates today at American Family Field. Frankie Montas and Jose Suarez will be going against each other in Yankees Angels in Anaheim. Very familiar environment for Montas. Uh, the Yankees just split with the A's, and of course they miss Montas. It's very unfortunate. <laughs> Ranger Suarez and Madison Bumgarner and a pair of lefties in Phillies Diamondbacks at Chase Field. My slightly alarming Mike Clevenger will be going against Carlos Rodon in Padres Giants. And matchup of the night comes from, actually, yeah, matchup of the night comes from Dodgers Marlins, the finale. You got Tony Gonsolin versus Pablo Lopez. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a great matchup. A solid one for sure. Uh, you have Orioles Guardians this week. Couple of playoff hopefuls. Uh, in the first round of that, you have Spencer Watkins versus Cal Quantrill. You have. Shane McClanahan facing the Marlins in the uh, Florida series on Tuesday. You have Marcus Stroman and Kevin Gosman facing each other in Cubs-Blue Jays. That's a really good matchup. You have George Kirby facing the Tigers for the Mariners in Detroit. Uh, you have Max Freed facing the Rockies for the Braves. Uh, you have 
that's that's a great matchup. You have Lucas Giolito and Brady Singer facing each other in Royals White Sox. You have Aaron Nola and Zach Allen going against each other in Phillies Diamondbacks. It's another great one. Blake Snell and Logan Webb in Padres Giants. All these are great matchups, but the matchup of the night, maybe not on paper, but in my heart, is in Astros Rangers. You have Framber Valdez versus Dane Dunning in the uh, don't hit a positive launch angle game. Yeah, for those unaware, uh, I think I don't think you had him. At, did did you have him as a how about that? No, but you no. highlighted him a little bit. I did highlight him a tad bit. I mean, I think I found the exact number that I wanted. Yeah, so since uh since August sixth, uh, Dane Dunning has a sixty four point one percent ground ball rate. Framber is at sixty eight point percent. So it's they're only four points off, four and a half points off. Yeah, and for those unaware, Framber is. The, the ground ball king the at least on starters he's the ground god for sure the ground god yeah so uh going into wednesday august 31st last day of august you have martin perez facing the astros for the rangers in texas you have freddie peralta going against the pirates for the brewers you have jordan lyle and tristan mckenzie facing each other in orioles guardians that's going to be in cleveland by the way Jose Quintana facing the Reds for the Cardinals in Cincinnati. Drew Rasmussen facing the Marlins for the Rays. That should be a sweep, by the way. I mean, it's a two-game series. The Marlins' offense is horrible, and it's it's McClanahan and Rasmussen. So that should be a two-game sweep for the A's. Um, you have DeGrom, Jacob DeGrom, going against the Dodgers on Wednesday. I don't know. who The Dodgers have not announced their starter, but I would imagine that's probably going to be a matchup of the night, although I don't know their starter. You have Michael Waka and Joe Ryan facing each other in Red Sox Twins. And you have, um, let me scroll back up to this one. I skipped it in case. Oh, yeah, you have Joe Musgrove and Alex Wood in Padres Giants. For now, matchup of the night comes from Angels and Yankees at Angel Stadium. It's going to be Garrett Cole versus Patrick Sandoval. Nice, nice, nice. And then I'll do do Thursday as well uh, because we're probably not going to record until Friday. Also, not a lot is announced, but Johnny Cueto will be going for the – for the White Sox against the Royals. He's been a nice surprise for them this year. Uh, Cade Cavalli will go for the Nationals against the A's, his second career start. Chris Bassett will be pitching for the Mets against the Dodgers. Dodgers have once again not announced their starter. Um, Shane Bieber and Kyle Bradich will be facing each other in Orioles Guardians in Cleveland. And Chad Cool and Spencer Strider will be facing each other in Rockies Braves. That is all that's been announced, except for the matchup of the day, which comes from Mariners Tigers in Detroit. You have Logan Gilbert versus Eduardo Rodriguez. There we go. There we go. Um, so yeah, that should do it for this installment of Above, Above Replacement Radio. We hope you enjoyed this one. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens, go to our YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Giannza and follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore current and follow the show Instagram at above replacement radio for all the show needs. We hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you uh, later this week um, where we will be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball once again. See you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.